With her head hung low and nowhere to go, she can't explain this mysterious pain. It comes on so fast, how long will it last? Her heart is just pounding, her head starts to spin. Please go away, she does not want you in. She's uncontrollably crying, it feels like she's dying. Her body is trembling, her hands start to shake. She feels so helpless with this horrible ache. Someone, please help her, make this go away. She can't stand to feel this way one more day. Someone, please help her, she's down on her knees. She's scared and helpless and hopes no one sees. With her head hung low, not knowing where to go, she tries to explain this mysterious pain. Mysterious Pain by Peggy Stewart. Welcome to Redeeming Disorder, the podcast where we share real stories of mental disorder to overcome stigma, redeem perceptions, and start a conversation. Welcome to another episode of Redeeming Disorder. We're here today and our interview is with Kelly Galpin. Laura's worked with her in a Nashville writing group. She is an awesome writer. She is also a big advocate of mental health and actually someone who's experienced mental health issues and not just secondhand or through someone she knows, but firsthand and actually recently and now and is ready to talk about a lot of the things she's facing in the present in a very firsthand raw way, which is, I think, really important. It's not something you find often that a lot of the mental disorder we're talking about is anecdotal or through friends, through family. Kelly's someone who can talk about how she feels inside her head as recently as the other day. And I hope you get a ton out of this interview as far as relating to disorder as it's happening. I, I think a lot of people, when they're going through disorder, they're not ready to talk about it until it's passed. And so I was really proud of Kelly for sharing and speaking to anybody who's going through it right now. Um, but we also got a really cool email from one of our listeners named Matt. And he gave me permission to share this email, and I wanted to share it with you guys. It's He says... It's hard for me to tell a succinct narrative on my experience because it happened very slowly over a series of many small events, and I'm still trying to unravel certain childhood experiences to better understand it myself. They seem so inconsequential, and I don't talk about them often as I fear they will be dismissed. I'm still on my journey of recovery, but finding more joy in it now that I'm talking about it. My volunteering with Headspace and being a peer worker has helped me meet so many like-minded people, and it's been so helpful. I've learned that people desperately want to connect, and we have technology which connects us every day, yet it seems like people feel more alone than ever. We are emotionally disconnected, and I'm afraid this discourages people from seeking help. Lately, I've been opening up more about my confidence issues and my anxiety, trying to bridge this disconnection, and have found that in doing so, other people are being freer with their feelings too, which makes me wonder how much healing we could do just by talking and helping people feel less alone. I've sometimes thought I'm less deserving of support than someone who is clinically diagnosed with an illness, 
but I'm reminding myself that it, what I experience may be less severe than what someone else is experiencing. But if wellness is the goal, then it can be a goal for anyone, regardless of the severity of the obstacles. I love that, Matt. Thanks so much for sharing that. I think it's so easy for all of us to feel like our problems or hardships are inconsequential when compared to someone else, especially if we don't have a formal diagnosis, but that's not the case. I hope you all learn to validate your experiences and um, not try to minimize it out of fear or shame. Yeah, and I think it's cool that you acknowledge that feeling of being invalid for wanting help or feeling like you might not deserve it as much as someone else. But what we also want to do is sort of paint the picture of this spectrum that everyone's experience on it is valid and wanting help for wherever you are is really healthy and valuable. Uh, So we want to encourage people to value their feelings and listen to them not worry that they might not be as important as someone else's or as deserving of help just because of, you know, a diagnosis decision, whether or not you have a condition or not. If you're feeling it and you feel like you could use help, chances are it's a good decision. So with that, let's talk to our guest, Kelly, who not only is struggling with things now, but has also gotten help and listened to her feelings that She has been in therapy for a while, can speak to the effect of that, to medication, and to all kinds of other things she's tried as she struggled with depression, anxiety, the relationship between the two, and ADD, which is something we haven't touched on yet and that we're excited to talk about. And just to let all of you know who are concerned about whether we'll talk about one condition or another, we do intend to touch on much more than just depression or the things we've touched on so far, we want to cover everything we can in the time we have. And so expect us to be talking about a lot more conditions and let us know, reach out to us if you want something in particular that you feel like we haven't touched on yet. So without further ado, if you're ready, Laura, let's jump into our interview with Kelly. All right, we're here today with Kelly Galpin, a good friend of mine who I met through my Nashville writing group. She's an incredible writer, but also a big advocate for mental health, and we're so thrilled to have her here to talk about her personal experiences with mental disorders. So thanks for being here, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you because a lot of the people we've talked to have maybe a degree or two of separation from the disorder they've been talking about. They're talking about it in family or in the past. Um... But, you know, you've shared that you are going through things even now and that it's something that is on your mind that you're often thinking about how do you grapple with mental disorder. And so we're really excited to get that real take that I don't think you would find, you know, in a show or in a lot of media that is out there. Before we get started with um, talking about the here and now and what you're going through right now, Kelly, I wanted you to maybe share your background with mental disorder, like when it started and um, what it felt like and all of that. Yeah, so um, I guess the first experience that I've had with it was when I was in 10th grade. Um, my One of my teachers thought that I might have ADD. Um, and that was, you know, mm-hmm. back in the 90s when that was kind of becoming more prevalent um, and more, you know, people were, I guess, maybe more aware of it. Um, right. Sure. And so, you know, in her mind, I'd probably gone undiagnosed for 
years. And um, so I went and saw, I, I, I would see counselors off and on throughout my, you know, when I was younger and um, uh, throughout For ADD? For ADD, yeah. And there was just kind of like this, I don't know, um, in my mind, from my perception of it, it was, you know, there's always kind of this underlying thing of, um, well, what's wrong with Kelly? <laughs> um, mm. You know, there was, um, I, I, I was smart. Um, uh, did I, I, I had all kinds of different grades, ranging from um, A's and B's to D's and F's. I, you know, it just, uh-huh. I, and the, the biggest sentiment that teachers usually shared about me was, well, Kelly would be great if she would just apply herself. And, uh, I, I guess, how did that make you feel like, did you feel like you were applying yourself or it made me feel like I didn't, I guess I just didn't know what else I could do to, to apply myself. There were things I, it, for me, it was more like there were things I cared about and there were things I didn't care about. And right. I think that's, I think that's pretty normal, but the things I didn't care about, I just really didn't care about them. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's interesting, like how we talk to kids in schools about ADD and their interests that I heard on another podcast that we both listened to the school of greatness with Lewis Howes. He interviewed someone about theories of multiple intelligences and how, when we have a kid who is really distracted maybe, or just not interested in the subject matter and maybe even has been diagnosed with ADD will often try to restrain the child or really whip them into shape, make them focus rather than paying attention and listening to the fact that they do have other interests. Right. So I think it's powerful that you have things you're interested in and things you're not. And I think it's something to question, you know, whether it is the right approach to sort of externally motivate you and say, you'd better care about this stuff you don't care about. Right. Or if we need to rethink. Yeah. That. I mean, I was, um, I, I had to work on my math skills a lot. I, I wasn't, mm. I, that was never a subject that I was very good at. And, and, and yeah. the reason for that was because I, I, I didn't care about it. I, I um, had a, I, I was often described as a daydreamer. Um, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's just kind of, I, I have a very active brain <laughs> and yeah. I mean my it's hard inner, to turn off the switch yeah my inner world is um just very very busy and um I'm I don't think I think well I think one of the things that I I understood when I started learning more about ADD and mm-hmm. um I, and it was not ADHD when I was diagnosed with it, it was ADD that was right. what I got diagnosed with um it, it's not that you're not paying attention to anything or to, to the things that you're supposed to be paying attention to. It's that you're paying attention to everything. Hmm. I mean, there, there were so many things to look at and so many things, um, that I, I was focusing on, you know, the way that somebody would say a word or, you know, and then my brain would say like, Oh, they said that kind of funny or, you know, it's just kind of, I, I would just, focus on so many little details and it's very, um, it, it, it could be very distracting yeah. and no wonder my, my attention wasn't on this math problem, mm. you know, when the teacher's talking funny. 
<laughs> I relate to that a lot, actually, as far as I think I was the same way. And I'm still the same way where my head's just often in the clouds. And my girlfriend will say, Spencer, did you check on the food that's cooking? And I'll be like, no, I was just thinking about uh, does like objective morality exist? And <laughs> I was like pondering all these things. Um, well, why wouldn't like, you think of that? I'll just lost sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's hard. I think the we aren't so... Um, it's hard for kids like that in the school atmosphere as it exists now. Um, outside of school, did you get any message about that? Or do you have any big memories of the message you were getting about the way you were? Um, I think a lot of it was mostly, I, I mean, yeah, like my, <laughs> what comes to mind is my, my mom would tell me to go to my room and, you know, clean my room. And of course I would start yeah. and I always made it a bigger mess than, um, than what I started with. <laughs> and it was because I would, you know, I would start focusing on the, I would, I would get everything out and then I would start putting it away, you know, one thing at a time. Um, or I mm-hmm. would, you know, be listening to music while I'm doing that. And then I'm suddenly lost in the music and the, the lyrics and the different notes and things. And I, I mean, I just, that was, um, I got lost in my imagination and then I would, um, you know, get in trouble for not getting my room clean <laughs> very fast. Um, yeah. But do you think that being, you know, diagnosed with ADD and kind of having those issues, like, do you think they um, translated into how you saw yourself and and as you got older and went on to college and formed that? I think so. I, I, um, I never wanted it to be a quote unquote crutch. Um, I, I always saw it as more of an explanation of why things were the way they were for me. Um, hmm. I, so you saw it as, I mean, really valid. It's what you're living. It's your experience. Yeah. And that's a stark contrast probably to how a lot of people around you would say, come on, Kelly, just clean your room. Just yeah. focus on this, apply yourself. Right. And it's not that I never used it as a crutch. I mean, of course, if you find something out about yourself, it's, it, there are going to be times when you're like, oh, well, that's just the way that I am, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And I, can I and I and I say crutch. I don't mean that in a you know as a um, in a bad connotation. You know, I think you didn't. You mean it's like you didn't want to use it as an excuse. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I, and I I wanted it to be. It it just helped me understand things a bit better. Sure. Yeah. I think we often when we talk about these conditions see them so negatively, and it's cool to see it from a different perspective as just an explanation of the way you are different, not worse. Um, where I think a lot of times when a kid has ADD, we look at the student or if it's just in a home setting, whatever the context is, we see it as a negative thing or as some kind of debilitation where I think we might want to be a little more open to the idea that these are just differences rather than, disadvantages necessarily and that a lot of the kids who have these conditions or who are diagnosed with this stuff have great amazing gifts they could bring if they could only focus on what they're really passionate about and I know there is research that's shown that kids who have ADD perform worse in school as insofar as when you're trying to force them to do math or reading or whatever it is they're not passionate about but when they are working on a project they are actually very interested in their focus 
just blows other kids focus out of the water and they're incredible with yeah it. absolutely um i i don't believe the classroom setting was always the best way for me to learn there are um mm-hmm. you know at I, I'm here in Tennessee, and there's there the homeschooling movement is huge down here, and um, I feel like there are so many resources for homeschooling. I think it's become more prevalent throughout the the whole country, but mm-hmm. yeah. there are so many other um, resources and just ways that kids can can concentrate on the things that they uh, that they are good at. And, um, yes, you do, you do still need to learn. I still needed to learn math and, and all of the things, but I ended up focusing more of my time on things, things, um, when Mm -hmm. it's a tricky balance. It's like you want to focus on strengths, but you do need some kind of baseline ability to read and these are the things. So it's tricky. What do you think is the biggest advantage of that homeschooling over traditional schooling or the biggest um, improvement or hole that homeschooling is able to fill? For me, I, I think that, I mean, I, I can only imagine it if I had been, had been homeschooled. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, of course, you can um, make things as wonderful as you want them to be in your mind. Yeah. But um, I think that... Um, it, I think it really allows the, the the kids to focus on something that they're interested in and they can go and explore that in a way that they might not be able to otherwise. Like they can go visit a, a, a place that they're that, that is interesting to them. Like maybe somebody does a, right. a, a job that they're interested in and they can, you know, go visit that that job or they can um there's there's different workshops or in person yeah or like even if you're interested in in um in art or you know they can um go to a museum and look at the you know yeah and you don't have to get everyone on board for the field trip they have that kind of freedom okay so it's it's funny hearing me hearing you guys talk about this because I was actually homeschooled to eighth grade <laughs> and I don't tell anybody because I have to prove them yeah, wrong afterwards. I didn't know that. <laughs> Get so to know like, your co-host. <laughs> I know. I was like, man, I'm going to have to share this. Oh. No, but, um, and actually I was a teacher for several years. So, um, in the elementary middle school. And so it's funny hearing me, hearing you guys talk about it because I think I would have failed, um, if I had gone to a regular school just with my, you know, the way my personality is and the way I learn. Um, there's a reason I own my own business and kind of have an, on, you know, like I just work better, you know, in a quiet atmosphere and on my own and doing learning things my way and just using my gifts in the way that I can. And um, it was, yeah. So, um, so yeah, homeschooling was really great. You have to prove you're normal, you know, when you tell people, but, <laughs> but it was really wonderful. Yeah. And, I I say that I, I wish that I were homeschooled. I didn't know that that was an option then, you know, and I don't know that my parents necessarily mm. knew that that was an option either. And we were just, we, we, we did what, um, what we knew what our options were. And my option was my, um, my school in my hometown, which is, you know, it's a very small town and that's, you know, that's where everybody goes. So of mm-hmm. course I'm going to go there. Yeah. Well, it's the same with any kind of 
whenever somebody's different, they don't know what the options yeah. are that are out there. And I think that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is, hey, guys, these are all the options that are out there and you're not alone. Yeah. Because I think feeling alone with something is just so debilitating and um, it's just it's, it's a horrible yeah. feeling. Yeah, I think also taking a step back from our preconceived notions about those options. Like, I know there's this big stereotype with homeschooled kids. You said you have to prove you're normal. There's <laughs> absolutely, there's a stereotype that homeschooled kids have social problems. And I mean, that's, that's a broad perception. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure there are ways in which people observe that or it gets reinforced. But then there's also research, which I can link into the show notes that actually has shown homeschooled kids grow up to be more social as adults, which is yeah. really, I, I was a little surprised when I read that, but um, <laughs> just because it's complete opposite of what you would think. And, yeah. it's, you know, I think it probably depends on how you measure it, but there's certainly, I think, enough reason to think twice about assuming that it'll have a certain kind of effect socially or in your academic yeah, learning. Well, it was, it was, I gotta admit, it was hard as a teacher seeing students who were like me struggle with the way I was supposed to teach the way the school mm. and the way, you know, the way I was, you know, trained to teach. And I just knew, man, I'm doing them such a disservice. Cause I know that I would have, I wouldn't have done well in this environment. Um, so I get what you're saying, Kelly, about, about that. But, um, I wonder, can you speak to, did you ever go on medication for ADD? Did, what kind of treatments did you, um, yeah, I that. did. Um, I honestly cannot remember the names of the different medications that I tried. I, I don't think they... It was probably five syllables and <laughs> forgettable, <Yeah. laughs> so definitely can understand that. Yeah, and I, I don't think I tried a, a lot of them. I think there were maybe maybe two at the most. Um, they just... I don't think that was the problem, if I'm honest. And so it didn't, um, you know fix anything and not that medication alone mm -hmm. is supposed to fix anything. Um, I, I always think that needs to go in conjunction with counseling or therapy or, you know, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I did, I did go on medication specifically for ADD. Um, and then I remember going to this, um, it was called the Learning Center, I think, is what it was called. And okay. they, I, I would go there, I think it was once a week. I remember my dad driving me there after school. And um, it was in the, the next town over. Um, and uh, I remember them giving me all these tests and things. Um, and some of it was like comprehensive tests and um, uh, writing tests and if I'm honest, I don't remember what it was for. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I was going. All right. I, 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 I never really fully understood why I was going. And so. Which must have been a confusing message. It, when you it was. It, it really was. And, and I think once again, I don't, um, my, my parents are amazing and I, they, did everything that they, that they knew to do. And, um, but there was just for me, this underlying question of what's wrong with Kelly. Like it just, that was yeah, yeah. the question. And, um, I don't know if it was ever really thought of that way that, but that's how I was thinking of it. That's how I 
always felt and right. I saw it. Which is mm-hmm. important because when you're put on medication mm-hmm. or taken to do these tests that you don't know what they're for, I'm sure the message is, oh, there's a problem. We need to fix it. And that's totally yeah. internalized. Yes, right? absolutely. And my, I mean, my folks, they may have explained to me why, <laughs> but it didn't, it either didn't stick or I still didn't understand it. And, you know, when you're younger, mm-hmm. you just, you don't always know what questions to ask about it. Um, that makes sense. If we, if you don't mind talking a little bit more about the medication specifically, I'm really curious your perspective on how we, how we treat kids with ADD and medicate them because I kind of have a personal opinion yeah. about it. But talking to someone who has gone through it, what do you think about the mm-hmm. phenomenon of diagnosing young young children with ADD, putting them on Ritalin, yeah. etc.? Um, well, like I said, I was diagnosed it was in the I was a sophomore in high school it was the mid 90s I think and it was just starting Mm -hmm. to become talked about more so in my opinion (laughs) I think that I I think that it is overdiagnosed I think that it is Mm -hmm. um I think that kids are given these uh these drugs to you know, help them not be so hyper, but, um, I think, um, and I, I don't think right. medication is bad. And I do think that it is needed, uh, for some people. I don't, I, I just don't, I sure. think it's, um, I think it's given to too many people. Yeah. That's my view too. I didn't want to give you any kind of bias by saying what I think from the outset, but I, it kind of bothers me that a lot of young seven-year-olds are on mm-hmm. Ritalin so as a as a health coach, yeah. <laughs> I I um, so a lot of the, my clients, you know, have nine to five jobs where they sit at a desk all day long, and every study that people have done on this says that's so bad for you. It's bad for your brain. It's bad. It's just, and I'm just thinking of kids who are developing. And when I was a teacher, just seeing them sit all day long on these desks. And I know yeah. that, you know, education is changing and it's not quite like that, but it's still a lot of time where they're yes. asked to focus yeah. and to sit. And it goes, and like, it's just not what they're made to do. It's like our underlying view is, oh, this energy is bad. We need yeah. to stifle this and get them doing the right things, get them under control. I think just that beginning mentality is misguided in so many ways of thinking we need to uh, put a damper on young children and stifle their energy and bring them down to our pace and learn in our way sitting all the time. Uh, It just seems so counterproductive to me for so many children. And for some it works. I think for some kids the way school works is absolutely appropriate. But I think I would like to see in schools rethinking just how different of an approach is appropriate for different yeah i i would also like to see that in in classrooms and um uh i mean even me sitting at my desk i you know i i work at an office and um i need to get up and walk around uh i it's yeah it's um very important that I do that. <laughs> I mean, even even for the social aspect of it and um, just getting up and moving and everything, it's, um, I, you know, I'm doing that as, yeah. a, as a 35-year-old woman and I can't imagine having to do, mm-hmm. you know, a, a seven-year-old needing to just sit and 
you know, that's why they have recess and, <laughs> and all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just physically sitting all day is not healthy. And I think there are so many reasons that, I mean, you just started to touch on it, started to touch on it, but I think there are so many reasons it's healthy to get up and break from that. I mean, we just have this arbitrary guideline of you should be working and sitting and at your desk in your cubicle Mm -hmm. from nine to five, um, which is so arbitrary when you think about it. And Mm -hmm. we have that one size fits all convention with the workplace and adults. And we also have kind of a one size fits all convention with how we teach. Well, I do have to, I have to say this because I have so many teacher friends, like it is changing and people are working so hard and people who are in the field of education, they care so deeply about this. So I, I know it is changing, but, um, but it is interesting that we both kind of have share that view of what's going on. And and even with your experience, Kelly, with ADD and and learning. So that is interesting. It it is incredibly encouraging. I, I read things about classrooms and, um, uh, just the way that they're they're changing environments i I, it's it is very very encouraging Mm. the things that we know now and we're able to implement those things yeah i saw recently an article about a school in i can't even remember i think it's the northeast maybe maryland that is offering instead of detention chances for kids to meditate they can go to meditation sessions which i read that i mean it's so yeah yeah. it's a (laughs) i i'll look up what school that actually was but i think that's a really cool idea Mm -hmm. that's awesome i agree well so kelly i'm curious we talked a lot about add but i kind of want to hear more about um the depression that we've talked about you know in our private conversations and a little bit more about what you're going through right now yeah so um uh, I, I guess I, I don't really know what else to say other than I am in a season of depression right now. It's, um, mm-hmm. and, um, and it, some of the days are, are harder than, than others. Um, I had a really bad day just even last Thursday. I, um, um, I came home from work early that day and I was supposed to go to a, a Christmas party with, um, my small group from church and I ended up not going to that as well. And I just, um, that was a really, really bad day. And then the next day I was great. (laughs) So, uh, it, it's, um, it's hard to predict. It's very hard to predict. And, um, Laura, I know that in, in our conversations, I know I've talked about how it's just this undercurrent that it's, um, depression and anxiety, it's just always present. It's always, um, underlying everything. Mm -hmm. And there are seasons when the current is so much stronger than, than others. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is something that, that sticks with me all the time. It's, um, I've, I've called it, um, a low hum. It's just there. I think that's really useful just getting mm-hmm. some words around depression because it is really hard mm-hmm. to describe, I think, for a lot of people. So hard and to people describe. will say they're depressed but not really be able to express that. And a lot of what mm-hmm. this podcast, what we want it to be about is getting that understanding because I know a lot of friends who have friends with depression and it's so hard for them to really empathize and get their heads around it because they they just don't get it on some level yes 
And this last Thursday, uh, I just, I felt crazy mm-hmm. is what I felt. Um, because I, I knew that it's, and there's, there's no logic to it. Mm-hmm. There's no, uh, there's nothing that's rational about it. Um, I had just this, and with it, with the anxiety and depression, you know, together, there's such opposing hmm. forces. Yeah, um, but it's it's funny how they do seem to go hand in hand so often right. with people they struggling do. with both. Yes, yes. How, how would you and, say that they're opposing forces? Well, um, the the anxiety makes you care about everything. <laughs> like it makes you care about what people are thinking. It, yeah. it makes you very hyper aware mm-hmm. of um, things you said or did, or um, just there's just this overwhelming sense of um, fear mm. and it just kind of terrorizes you. And yeah. <laughs> then with the depression, the side of that is um, that you don't care. Mm. Um, you don't, you, you don't care about anything. You don't see the point in waking up in the morning. You don't see the point in, um, you know, cleaning your, your, uh, your house. Yeah. Things are um, kind of meaningless. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't get excited about food. <laughs> um, I don't get excited about, um, like there's a lot of things and I'm, I'm, I'm not excited about. And, yeah. That's um, how I remember depression exactly in yeah. terms of just not being excited about life. Anything. And it's, it, it's, um, it's upsetting because, um, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not that person. I am, um, fun and I get excited about silly things and I'm whimsical and all of this stuff. Yeah. And when I'm, when I'm, um, in this state, I'm both just absolutely terrified of everybody and everything. And also, um, I, I don't care about anything either. Hmm. It's, yeah. it's so, it's so bizarre. It's just a, it, and it's, it's not rational. It's, there's nothing, um, but I can see what you mean. That paints, I think a really good picture of the experience of this insane duality between caring so much, not caring life, having no meaning life, just being crushingly hard and hurtful that, yes. uh, there's like a disconnect there between those two sides. And when you're feeling both at once, you can't bring them together and make any coherent sense of it. It's just confusing. And as you said, like a low hum, that's just sitting there. Yeah. And it feels very hopeless. It feels like, um, feels like you're never going to get out of it. I, I mean, that's yeah. how I felt on, on Thursday. Mm. Um, like you can I, know I cerebrally just... that there will be a time again where you are happy, but at mm-hmm. that moment, it feels as if you'll never be happy again. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and that's really scary and it's a, it's a terrifying feeling and I feel it physically as well. Mm. That's the, the other. How do you feel um, it physically? Um, I feel like there's a heaviness that's on me mm-hmm. when I'm going through this. Um, I'll catch myself like even just in my, my, with my, uh, my facial mus- muscles. Hmm. I, I catch my, my brow being furrowed (laughs) and then I, I, I like, I notice it and I try to, you know, relax my face a little Uh, bit, but, um, I've got marks on my forehead from constantly furrowing (laughs) my brow. They're permanently there. (laughs) 
but there's like even just like a tightness in your chest and I um part of it is that I wasn't getting a lot of sleep but I had just been exhausted all week and yeah. um I I was just tired and I, I couldn't I, I I couldn't focus on anything and um you know headaches and and all of that all I needed to do was sleep hmm. yeah. it didn't fix everything but man it helped I hmm. bet I think a lot of times symptoms are maybe not created, but accentuated from just not getting our human needs. You know, we have these basic human needs of sleep, water, air, food. And then above that we have, if you follow like Maslow's pyramid of needs, you know, we have, we need to feel important. We need validation. We need a community, et cetera. But oftentimes it is as simple as just sort of checking yourself and being like, yeah, that need of sleep is completely lacking right now. And that can help a ton. What are some other ways that, you notice like how do you take care of yourself when you have those bad days um i will i will call friends and um and let them know you know hey i'm going through Mm -hmm. a a rough time Mm -hmm. right now um now these are friends that i've um they know me. Yeah. <laughs> these, these aren't these aren't people that uh, you know I just met a few weeks ago or. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these, they come from kind of an my... understanding that this is something you have struggled right. with. And they care. Yes. Yeah. And they care. And there's also um, I never put the expectation on them to do anything about it. I usually when I when I like I'll text somebody or I'll call them, and um, I will say. I just needed you to know this. I just needed, I just needed to let somebody know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, um, it, it's just helpful to know that I'm not alone. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times, you know, they don't always know what to say, but just knowing that they're there is, is really, really helpful. And you probably just want to yeah. tell them, don't, don't feel that pressure that you have to say the right thing. Just you listening is helping. Right, right, and I, you know there are um, there are some people in my life that I I don't always um, they they don't always know what to say. Right, they can't carry that <laughs> and so, for you. Right, and um, they they end up um, inadvertently saying things that are not very helpful. Mm-hmm. So I you know I there are different things and I guess my my job in that is um in it within you know letting them know is just to put out my expectations for them just saying I just need you to listen yeah um I I don't need you to fix this right right now um you can't fix it right and also by the way how unfair of that or how unfair of me to ask you to fix it for me. <laughs> it's not, it's not something that, um, any person can fix, right. but just knowing that, um, that they're there and they, they know who I am and they, um, and they love me anyway. That's always very, very helpful to know that. If, um, if you don't mind going deeper, um, what have been some of those experiences and what have people said that doesn't help? Oh goodness. Um well, while I know while you're thinking, I know for me like people have said this to me like, "Hey, lighten up." Like 
<laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's what my problem is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I wish I had thought of that. Oh, uh, not enough. There you go. Uh, is that? Um, I think yeah. that, that speaks to you, you. Sort of need to meet people where they are. I feel like where mm-hmm. if um, I've gotten feedback before, where if I'm upset about something people will say people will just come come at me really chipper and be like oh think about all the great things and um, it's almost like have you ever did you ever watch the movie um what was it called inside out the animated movie yes yes yeah inside out i loved the part of inside out where uh happiness goes to this long lost memory that is personified and tries to cheer the long the the character up and yeah is like hey come on be happy and just doesn't work at all and then sadness goes over yeah. and is like hey like you feel sad and it's almost like when you are feeling that way you kind of want someone to just come meet you where you are and listen and get mm-hmm. that validation where it doesn't i don't think it helps either when someone is just like oh lighten up remember the happy things yeah. Um, it helps a lot more when someone like really can get inside or try to get inside or just listen to how you feel. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Acknowledgement goes a very long way. Because depression, I mean, it, there's so much more to it and, and anxiety. There's so much to it than just being sad or worrying. Yeah. It's not, it's not even either of those things <laughs> and which, which makes it very difficult to describe. But, um, yeah, it is, it is, um, I've had people, um, tell me, you know, well, you've got this going for yourself and this and this and this, and it kind of makes it, makes things worse mm-hmm. when they say that, because mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm such a whiner, you know, like <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not grateful for these things that I have. Like I should just be Yeah, it's happy, invalidating. It's breathing. like, well, now the way I feel makes even less <laughs> sense and my reality makes yeah. even less sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, um, yeah, people, they, they say things, um, and I understand their heart behind it. I always, I always try to recognize, you know, where they're coming from with it. Mm -hmm. And, um, they, they mean very well. They mean nothing but the best, Yeah. but it's just not always the most helpful thing. And, um, sometimes, It, it makes things worse. And so you do have to kind of figure out who those people are as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can let them in. Eh, you know, you can crack the door just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but you don't have to disclose everything to them. Um, right. Uh, and I mean, and, as you've spoken to, it's hard to disclose everything. It's hard to mm-hmm. really express it. It really is. It, it is. It's hard to um, help someone else makes sense of it but i think i think the way you've yeah yeah it doesn't make sense but i think the way you've talked about it is really helpful and sort of getting some words around it that uh can help someone try and understand and i can say from my memories and my experiences it really does capture the feeling um yeah did you always have this perspective on depression anxiety and the two together did you you know, how long has your history been with either and has it always been, have you always seen it that way? Um, looking back, I can, I think, I think that I have always 
had these things. <laughs> I've always, I have always, um, carried anxiety and depression with me. Even I would even venture to say as a child, um, mm. it, it's, I, I, it's something that runs in my family. Um, sure. And we got so, into that last week with talking about whether or not, uh, these conditions are genetic and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's a debate and it's something we are trying to explore, but are just trying to understand better. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it is something that I, I've always dealt with. And, um, I think that I, I've been through, um, counseling and therapy for, you know, off and on for years. And, yeah. you know, it's been, it's been the most consistent in the last five to seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I, I had a very good, uh, therapist and, um, through that, I feel like I've learned so much. Yeah. Um, I've learned, I've, I, and I've, I've gained all these tools that I can use. Um, so I think, I think my, uh, to answer your question, I think that my thoughts on all of this, I think it has very slowly, it had a slow start to, um, you know, developing how I feel about these things or my yeah. thoughts. You think the things it. have always been there, but your perspective on it has developed. Yes. And, and I feel like it, it has kind of snowballed because once you get going on that, once you, um, gain a few tools, mm-hmm. um, I think that you start to build on them and, um, you, it's easier to recognize symptoms yeah. as they're happening. And, um, it, it, it allows you what, what, what it does for me is it allows me to step outside of myself and take a look at it and what's going on and what's, uh-huh. um, what's happening as it's happening. Um, uh, which I is kind I'm of meditative, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it is, it's the ability to step outside of your attachment to the thought or the feeling and observe. Right. Yes. Yeah. If you're, if you're up for getting a bit into those tools though, uh, I think it's awesome that you did find a great therapist because that is a Herculean difficult task sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like where if you go to a lot of psychiatrists, you will pour your heart Mm -hmm. out and explain your situation and they'll say, all right, here's your Prozac, uh, where I think Mm -hmm. it's tough to find a good therapist, but very worthwhile from everyone I've talked to who's found the benefits of therapy that it's helped so much and what what do you think about the relationship between medication and therapy or one versus the other them together etc from my experience um medication should always and again from my experience medication should always be administered alongside therapy Mm -hmm. Um, what makes you say that's, that? That's that's been. I mean, that's been my journey. Mm-hmm. I um, I can't rely on. You know, I have a a, a chemical imbalance in my brain. Mm-hmm. So um, when you are taking medication, you know it it helps you uh, recognize what is uh, what is actually normal, yeah. you know, quote unquote normal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it, uh, it helps you get back to that place. And, um, I think that 
when you're on medication and you're, you're able to get to that place, being able to talk to somebody, um, while you're getting back to the, you know, the normal, uh, chemical balances. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it helps you connect, you know, you're gaining tools from the, the person and it's, um, it, it helps if you're feeling balanced, if your brain chemistry is, is balanced, you are able to retain more of those tools and more of the, um, you know, the, the thought process of how you got there. Yeah. Whereas if your brain chemicals are imbalanced, um, I think it's, I think it's harder to retain those things. I think it's harder to, um, connect with those things and, and have them stick. So you think it sticks better when you're affirming the changes or the perspective you're getting on what it, what normal feels like again with quotes when you talk about it? That's been my, my journey with, with all of that. I'm not, I mean, Obviously, I'm not a medical expert. I don't know if that's actually how it works. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, no one can question your personal experience. Ex- your, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're not. And, and it's your it's your truth. Okay. It's your experience. But I do yeah. want to kind of probe because for me personally, I'm still unsure about the entire theory of the chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, do you feel like the imbalances you experience are something that can be fixed only with medication. Yeah, do I do think there, there are, are alter- alternatives. Alternatives. Um, I'm actually I'm off of medication right now. Um, I I went off of medication oh, wow. this last summer. Um, <laughs> I didn't do it the right way. I will tell you that. Uh-huh. Was it after a long time of being on medication? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of not kind of. It was totally like I forgot to take my medication for two weeks, oh, wow. and I'd been thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd been thinking about um, going off of it for a while. Yeah. But I, that's not what, like, I, I literally just forgot. Like, it wasn't like a, you know, premeditated, well, I'm just going to go cold turkey. It wasn't right. anything like that. But, um, you know, I'd been off of it for two weeks and I was like, well, what am I going to do? Get back on it and, and then wean myself off? I, I mean, what, what good is that going to do? Because you ultimately so, um, did want to be off of it? I did. Yeah. Um, maybe that wasn't the best thing for me to do. Um, but I did it. So, and you didn't have any, I'm really like fascinated about the experience of you stopping. You said, Mm -hmm. so you stopped it and didn't really notice anything amiss. Um, (laughs) not really. I mean, things were going pretty well and I, I don't know why it affect, why it affected me that way, but it, it was, um, it was a few, it was probably a few months after, about a month after mm-hmm. that I really, things kind of, um, started bottoming out for me. Like I, uh, I was feeling pretty frazzled about some things and, um, I just wasn't happy about a lot of things. It wasn't, mm-hmm. and it, well, it's, it's more than just being happy. Mm-hmm. It's, there were just there were just some things I was um, going through that uh, I I kind of, I think I figured that those were the stressors mm-hmm. instead of you know going off my medication. So you had mm-hmm. some personal issues that, going on that you thought were the the root cause of yes yeah. So I think that might have um, 
masked it a bit mm-hmm. or, you know, that I, I just was kind of figuring it was circumstances instead of the medication. So, um, I think I, that's uh, normal though. I think often it's tricky when things are going on. Yeah. What do you attribute mm-hmm. the way you feel to? Is it the things or is it your thoughts about the things? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, I, I think it, it might be all of it together. Mm-hmm. Every bit plays a piece or plays a part in it. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I actually, uh, I started posting, I, you know, I, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take control of this. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to be off of it. And it, the, the only reason, I can't even, like, give you a good reason why I wanted to be off of it. I think I just wanted to try to see what some alternatives would be because I hadn't tried those sure. yet. So, you know, if I don't have to take medication, I'd rather not. I don't, I mean... I will wait, even if I have like a migraine or something, I, I wait to take an ibuprofen. I don't, I don't love taking <sighs> I'm the same way. Yeah. My girlfriend always gets on my case because she is the opposite. She's like, if there's pain, <laughs> I want it gone. I'm going to take five Advil right now. Um, whereas yeah. I really always want to investigate the pain. And maybe there's mm-hmm. some kind of middle way that's the appropriate approach because pain is important and understanding where it's coming from can help you, I think, in a, on a bigger level. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think it's healthy either to be a martyr and just feel as much pain as possible to get to its Absolutely. cause. Yeah, like when it when it comes to the point of you know if I if I do have a migraine, which it doesn't happen that often, but whenever I do, I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna tough this out, <laughs> and then and then and then it's like, Kelly, you're being ridiculous. Just take the ibuprofen. Like it, it's gonna fix it in thirty minutes. Yeah. You don't need to. <laughs> suffer through yeah. this and it gets back um, to the question of medication in general right that you know yeah. in an ideal world you would want to fix the root cause of everything and you mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily need medication but obviously medication is a net positive in a lot of situations right so yes it does it does help but i i really wanted to um look at some other some other ways that, mm-hmm. that could help me. And so, um, what I started doing, I actually started posting on my Instagram, like, Oh, I'm going to do this 30 days of yoga, mm-hmm. which I got to day 25 <laughs> and stopped. Um, wow. which <laughs> I know 25, Almost like, why there. couldn't you just do, <laughs> I, I also kind of, um, fudged the, the whole the 30 day thing. Cause I <laughs> didn't do it for like two days. And then I would be like, Oh, I did it twice today. Or <laughs> I, you yeah. know, yeah, I definitely didn't stick with it that much. But um, as I was posting, I actually had a friend who, and I was I was just honest about um, why I was doing it and why I was posting it too. Like I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, please follow me. I really, really love it. You know, it's not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that person. I was posting because I wanted to keep myself accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Which, you know, wow, 25 the, days. The opposite that of really well. uh, anyone who's ever been on Survivor, the <laughs> <laughs> reality TV. Admirable. I mean, you, you, you do you, Spencer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, I posted it um, and just to keep myself accountable. And I was very honest about why I was doing it. And, you know, I'm, I, um, I, I just wanted to, I, I, would, I wanted to 
post it to um, encourage people because it's not something that's talked about. Anxiety, depression, like it's not something that people like to admit. Right. And so I just wanted to um, encourage people in that way as well. I so that. I just figured... I figured it would help somebody, you know, if they saw somebody else going through it. So oh, I was posting about it and I'm, you know, also telling, just telling them how, you know, exhausted I am. And it sounds like a bunch of like depressing yoga pictures, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, there were, there were funny days too. I mean, no, like, you're they're, hilarious. They're... So I, I, know, <laughs> oh, I know that you did a really good job. She's actually, you should follow her on Instagram. She's really funny. But anyway keep going yeah you should follow me Spencer. yeah I, I will follow you what's your handle okay it's my name i'll follow you kelly Galpin. Okay. and everyone listening should follow kelly as well because i, I trust oh, laura, cool. laura wholeheartedly and i'm sure that you are indeed funny but i think that's awesome uh the idea of sharing it in hopes that someone will see and uh find it of help because i think that's the core mission of our podcast that it's absolutely it's so helpful to bring these things that aren't talked about and talk about them where even if it doesn't fully inspire other people to take that leap and talk about them too like you are mm -hmm. it shows them that it's possible and i think it moves us in that direction of openness and moving away from the shame of these things which uh, is completely, I think, a human creation, that there's nothing inherently shameful about it. Absolutely. And there's, I always am very comforted when somebody else says, I deal with that too. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that just connects us. And I, I love connecting with people. Yeah. I, I, I really do. Um, but, I think it's a core um, of what it means to uh, be alive, connecting with other people. I think so too. Absolutely. I love people. <laughs> we could jump um, off the philosophical ledge, but <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to go too deep down that rabbit hole. But I agree that absolutely connecting with people over this stuff is powerful and really healing in and of itself. Um, can you tell everyone how you've kind of dealt with your physical symptoms that you found when you've had depression, anxiety? I know we've talked about it personally, but I think it's really interesting how that's gone hand in hand. Yes. So um, actually through my posting um, about what I was dealing with, um, I had a friend um, from years ago, she, she contacted me through um, Instagram Messenger or Facebook Messenger, it doesn't matter, she contacted me. And um, she uh, pointed out that, that I was sharing a lot of symptoms that she had had um, when she was going through a really stressful time in her life. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, just feeling exhausted mm -hmm. and weepy for no reason or every reason, whatever, yeah. however you want to look at it. And just kind of this whole, um, idea of like, I don't understand why I feel this way physically, mentally, emotionally. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And she, um, recommended a doctor to me, um, and applied a, a doctor that practices applied kinesiology and, um, uh, she, had adrenal fatigue. And so, um, I went to this same doctor and, um, he actually, <laughs> so crazy. He, I mean, he just looked into my eyes with a, with a light and he was like, wow, you're a stress ball. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm like, you can tell that just from looking at my eyes. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, it, it was, it was really great because I, um, I, he started, um, testing all these different supplements on me, um, um, 
that was a very interesting experience. Um, it was very bizarre. I mean, I, he had me just holding these, <laughs> these, um, supplements and all of a sudden, like I have, he, he had been like, uh, pushing and pulling on my, on my limbs, you know, in different ways and asking me to resist whatever he was doing. And then he mm-hmm. would, and I was such a weakling when I did it. And then he would, um, put these supplements in my hand and they're still in bottles and things. I mean, he didn't take them out. I'm just holding them and he's telling, he's, you know, pushing and pulling on my limbs again and asking me to resist. And they're just like rock solid. Like, dang, didn't yeah, so it was, weird. It was, yeah, it was, it was so bizarre, but, um, Anyway, yeah, so he um, uh, gave me these supplements, and um, he, then he gave me this a, a, a diet to help me, you know, basically it's, it was a cleanse, and um, I, I was only eating vegetables and meat, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> is what so it like came paleo, down to. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, and um, it... I cannot tell you. I my I I gained so much energy. I mm-hmm. actually I was coming home from work and I wasn't just crawling into my pajamas and sitting and watching TV. Yeah, like I yeah. I wanted to go out and do things and meet people and hmm. and and it helped so much in the you know the physical aspects. And um I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that I mean we talked about sleep earlier and you mentioned how big of an impact sleep can have. I think diet much the same way uh it's easy to overlook but these basic human needs uh take care of yourself it'll make a huge difference yes yeah and the thing is i i so i went on a business trip (laughs) and my my diet that i was on just like blew up i and i i haven't been back on it since um it's a lot of it's a lot of work. It's a lot of um, preparation. Yeah. You know, it's hard to eat exactly the mm-hmm. way you want to. It's not as if society's set up to offer these things everywhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I was going through that time, um, I got invited to a, a pizza party. Like we were making our own pizza, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, I loved all the people that I was going to hang out with, so I didn't want to miss it. But I also, you know, knew I was going to just sit there watching everybody eat their pizza. And <laughs> yeah. I was going to be so mad about it because <laughs> can't have any dairy or, you know, um, bread. Uh, yeah, bread. <laughs> all <laughs> of those things, of all the amazing things. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's like social eating. It's really hard it to is. stick to something and really overhaul your habits because your habits are so ingrained with your social life oftentimes. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's so hard. Um, so I actually, I, I, I was like, I am not going to miss this. Um, I am going to make my own pizza. So I, I um, made a cauliflower crust and then um, I made this Parmesan cheese that's made out of cashews and, you know, nice. blended it all up with nutritional yeast and all this stuff yeah. <laughs> and, um, put some chicken on there. I made some, um, uh, vegan pesto <laughs> and like all this, you know, I just, I, I made it work, but it took an entire Saturday for me <laughs> to get all of that prepared so I could go to this one party and eat right, my own little right. pizza. Well, and it was worth hard. it. But did eating but this way, it's, 
Well, there was eating this way. So I'm really, pa- I eat paleo. I'm kind of extreme. So I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, cheering you on as you talk. <laughs> but, um, but did it help you with those symptoms of depression and anxiety? Did you feel that? Or was it only physically that you felt better? I haven't, they're still out on that. <laughs> I okay. don't really remember. I, I think, I think having energy helps you when, you mm-hmm. know, it helps you not feel as anxious and, and, and you know, depressed mm-hmm. and, and all of those things. I, yeah. that was a, some of the symptoms, certainly like the not wanting to get out of bed in the morning, I imagine mm-hmm. could, it could have an Absolutely. Impact. I mean, and I would come home and I, you know, people would ask me to do something and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like. Ugh, it, I'm going to be so tired by the time I get home. And, um, I, I mean, it really limited what I could and couldn't do. And I think, I think mm-hmm. I, I didn't pay as much attention to it because I was so amazed at how much energy I had. And I think that's the, hmm. the thing I was focusing on the most. Um, right. Uh, while I was, you know, I, I, I did want to socialize a lot more. I wanted to go out and, and meet new people and, and all of that. Yeah. So, um, I think, I think it did affect. Go ahead. I think Go it ahead. did affect me in that way. Um, just honestly, having the energy, it makes a huge difference. I bet that's awesome. And I think things are getting better as far as how easy it is to eat the way you want to. Much like teachers are making a big effort in education, there are a lot of signs for hope. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of signs for hope with. Diet, I think so too. Where. Uh, <laughs> definitely different stores are making an effort and even beyond you know there's one side of it which is every brand wants to label itself as non-gmo and organic Mm -hmm. and all these things Mm -hmm. and it's a huge marketing tactic now but i think there's another side that there are a lot of genuine steps that have been made like i used to think it was impossible to find any bread that would be good to eat because every bread has like 50 ingredients Uh and i recently found this brand of bread called breadsmith that has five ingredients and it's yeast uh flour water and i think maybe honey and it was shocking but it's yeah. awesome because it's like i i'm now with what i want to do i'm now comfortable incorporating bread into right. my diet and you again. can read all of the things and understand what they are that's making up your bread <laughs> mm-hmm. right it's not some acid that you can't yeah pronounce. yeah well, it's so funny. This is like bringing me so much joy hearing you guys talk about eating healthy and, <laughs> and all of this. And so because this is what I'm really passionate about. And I, I have to say, you know, I, I've always kind of talked about how I've, you know, I have a personality. I think I struggle with depression and anxiety, you know, at some level from time to time. But um, eating well has just completely changed my life. So I'm very passionate about it. So I hope you continue on that journey. Yeah, you and I need to get together and um yeah. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> well, Kelly, thanks so much for sharing um, just your your experiences with ADD and depression, anxiety. I think that your story is going to help a lot of people and you've just put a lot of words and on to just a general feeling that a lot of people go through. Um, but what would be one thing you would tell your younger self? Oh, what would I tell young Kelly? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think... Mostly, I would tell her that she's okay. Because um, hmm. there hmm. have been, you know, just a lot of feelings of I'm not okay. Um, and, and it is okay to not be okay. <laughs> um, I, I do want mm-hmm. to say that. But I just, I, I would very much uh, 
like to just encourage her and just let her know that um, she's, you know, she's an amazing person and um, be proud of who she is um, and how and how yeah. she's made and how her brain is wired and, and all of that. Um, I think it would just be a lot of encouragement and and uh, validation yes, validation of who she is as a person. Um, yeah. Well, you too, older Kelly, are an amazing person. Yes. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and sharing this. Just to echo what Laura said, I think it's going to help a lot of people that you put words to things that seem beyond words and sort of wrapped everyone's collective head around these topics. So thank you so You're much. Welcome. And if people want to get in touch with you, can they, what should they do? Should they Instagram you, tweet you? Um, I deleted Twitter, so let's not do that. <laughs> um, <All right. laughs> yeah. Um, Instagram is my most favorite way. Um, I've actually made a lot of friends over Instagram and I also, I really enjoy, um, snail mail. So I'm not going to give my address or anything, oh. but if you want to connect with me like on Instagram, you know, I, I just, I really like connecting with people and I've, I've been known to <laughs> people cards and things um, that I have met over social media. You're a letter writer. I am a letter writer. Yeah. Well, thank you so much one more time and have a great one, Kelly. You're welcome. Well, that was our interview with Kelly Galpin, everyone. We have her contact info in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. She's a huge fan of snail mail, and she's told me that people who do reach out, she's going to try to send them a letter. I think that's pretty cool. And um, I, I know that we talked about a lot of more controversial topics, such as ADD and our educational system and even medication. So if you have a different perspective, we want to hear about it. Head on over to our website, redeemingdisorder.wordpress.com, and you can leave a comment on the blog on that episode. Um, and because basically redeeming disorder is all about starting a conversation. And while we love getting emails from you all, so keep that coming too, we think you can benefit from each other. So in light of that, we're also starting yes. something new on the yes, blog Yes, we're going week. to start posing a question or even just a thought-provoking statement leading into each weekend. So on a Friday afternoon, we will post something that can hopefully spur discussion and we'll leave a comment section. I know it's not a full-fledged forum, but hopefully this is a way where people who are listening to the podcast, and unbelievably, there are a good number of you, uh, hopefully this is a place where you can come and exchange ideas and talk because we're just two perspectives. And when we express our opinions, obviously they're going to be dissenting views or follow-ups, questions, etc. And we really want to hear all of it. This is a learning experience for us as we don't pretend to be experts by any means, but just people who want to explore mental disorder. And so we're hoping that if you are willing, if you would find this interesting over the weekends, you can see what we post and see if you have any thoughts on it and join a conversation on that website. Yeah. And, um, I, I'm, so I'm a little new to Twitter and I'm loving this, like hearing from some of the listeners and especially, um, we heard from at Y100 Dude listening now while I clean. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Well, you can't. Uh, <laughs> we can't tell you how much that means to us so that we can, we can uh, be there for you while you clean. I know. <laughs> and then also we heard from at John Grosdidier 
He says, love the podcast. Listening to the podcast has helped a lot with dealing with issues of my after-school program. Uh, wow, that means a lot, and that's so surprising, and I'm just so glad. It's that cool it to hear help. that it's being shared in an after-school program in general. I've also heard things about it being shared in uh, health clinics, which is really cool. The fact that it could reach people who potentially could really use it is really awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to um, hear from you and bring you more next week. Bye.